Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to Encounter Church. I'm Pastor Craig Rice. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. And we have worked through this, so let's get into the Word here this morning. And uh, Romans chapter 8, and I really pray this has given you um, just hope and, and a joy, a, uh, a different perspective and outlook on life, and, and maybe, maybe it's been, been prophetic for you, maybe it's been a moment of reassurance, um, but whatever it is, my hope is that God would re-infuse you with, with life, with open eyes, to see what He has so marvelously prepared for you. Um, Next week, we're going to begin a new series, and I know some of you are sad that we're ending this series, but the show must go on, and um, next, next week, it was kind of, it's, going to, it's going to fall in line. Don't worry, we're not going from here to, to you know, whatever. I, I don't have anything to say on that. Uh, <laughs> we're not going from here to something else. We're going from here to learning how to live your blessed life. I know you want to live your best life. But if you don't have the blessing of God, you're never going to live your best life unless you have the blessing of God. And so I want to encourage you, invite someone out next Sunday. My title is this. I'll just give you, I don't typically do this, but I'm going to give it to you today. My title for next week is How to Change Your Past. How to Change Your Past. And if you've ever wanted to go back and change your past, I'm encouraging you to be here next Sunday. I'm encouraging you to invite someone out. There's going to be some promotions about it. But in order to live a blessed life, you're going to have to get over, get through, overcome some things from your past, and I'm, giving, I'm going to give you the tools from Scripture on how to actually change that so you can have a blessed life for the future. Anybody want to join for that? And that's, I just, I'm pumped about it, absolutely pumped about it. I'm pumped because God gave it to me so far in advance, and I'm like, yes, let's go. And I hate when he does that, and then I love when he does that because then it's like, ah, I don't know, I'm just caught. All right, so one would say we're in this tension of what is and what will be. The work. All right, so Romans chapter 8, verse 18 uh, we're going to read through 28. Yet what we suffer now is nothing. Someone say nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly, or apocaradokia, for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope. The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering and we, too, wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and, somebody say confidently. There's a confidence with it. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us 
with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Let's read this together. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. You're thankful for it today. Father, we thank you for the moments we have shared, the glory of the Lord that is settling among us. And today, God, we are asking that you would just absolutely blow our minds, wreck our lives, God, in the best way possible, that we may walk out of here changed, challenged, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, someone said amen. Amen. Someone said, my, my mind is open. My heart is ready. I receive it. I believe it. Do it, Jesus. This apocaridokia, this eager waiting, and you've been with us on this journey. If maybe you haven't and this is your first time, this is this concept that Paul makes up. It's three words he combines together, apo and kara and dokia, and he mashes them together and only uses it two times in the New Testament. But this, this concept that he's trying to get through to us is that there is an eager waiting an intense expectancy, and really the English language just doesn't do justice to the beauty of this Greek word that Paul decides to make up. But we do have an illustration. We've got these imagery of a child at a parade looking over the railing of trying to see what is coming next. I've seen what's already passed in front of me. I've seen what's in front of me now, but I'm curious and I'm intensely expecting what is coming next. Like I, I, what the imagery I get is the Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York City. What's coming next down, down the street? What next big float? What is the next glorious, grand, beautiful thing? Has anyone ever seen, I know we're getting into this time of year, so we're okay. I'm, it hurts me a little bit to talk about it, but we're there. Has anybody ever seen Miracle on 34th Street? Yeah. It's, it's, it's the imagery of the children looking over. Wait, I know they saw the elves, right? I, I know they see the reindeer, but there's an expectancy to see Santa Claus. And we can talk about Santa Claus in church. It's all right. You're okay. You're going to get through it. <laughs> I've got a whole thought on that, but that's not for here or there. But they look over the railing and they're anticipating Santa Claus. What is next? What's coming? We're excited about what is coming next. The other imagery that we've had through this series is a giraffe that is reaching its neck, stretching its neck forward so that it can reach the next piece of fruit on the tree that no other animal has touched. It's pure. It's beautiful. It's this longing to get, to receive, to have, to partake of that which is next. And so Paul is writing to the church in Rome and he says there is this tension of this present suffering with intense expectancy of waiting confidently and patiently for what's next. Now, one of the fruit of the Spirit that I have, I have learned to start praying for, because in churches we just don't pray for it. We've heard that, like, don't pray for patience. Don't, they don't pray, because you know what? We serve such a cruel God that if we pray for patience, God's going to give us things that are going to test our patience. That's bad theology. It's bad theology. Because the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is 
patience. He said, if we're going to have this anticipation, this expectancy, this apokaradokia, then what we are waiting for, we must wait for with patience and confidence. That we know that it will come, so we wait patiently. And we know it will come, so we wait confidently. Today, my hope is to restore your confidence in a God who has never left you, who has never forsaken you, who has never turned his back on you, who hasn't forgotten you. My job today is to restore, is to restore your theological and doctrinal congruence of who God is, what God wants, and how God operates. And if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then you sitting in this room right now are living in blessings and provisions that were only a dream of yesterday. And today God is saying, I want to give you your confidence back. Oh, it's good to be home. People just don't receive it like you guys do. Thank you. So if we're going to have something marvelous come, if we're, if, we're, if we're looking forward to this, then one would say we'd have to prepare for it. We'd have to plan for it. We have to get ready for it. And I've, I've realized you cannot reach your purpose without preparation. Purpose just doesn't happen because you woke up in the morning. Purpose takes place because you have prepared for it. It's intentional. It's development. Purpose is not just because you, you woke up and all the stars aligned and choirs of angels showed up in your bedroom, which would be freaky as all get out. But when you wake up, like purpose is already in your life, but it's up to us. It's up to you. This is where, this is where free will comes into place because there's purpose in your life. What did, what did the end of our scripture read today? What is, what is Romans 8, 28 said? And God causes all things to work together. And we're like, yes, and we stop. What does he say? To those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You want things to work together for the good? It's got to take intentional development of your purpose. Purpose without preparation is not purpose at all. You're not just going to, I don't know about you, but I had to study in school. Anybody else? Like, I, I, just, didn't, I didn't just get to show up on test day and pass it and walk out. I was not Elon Musk, obviously. Um, I, I just, I can't, I don't have that, that level. I don't have... That ability, but you have to prepare for it. If you want a good grade, like we're dealing with our daughter, if you want a good grade, you're going to have to prepare for it. You're going to have to plan for it because you're not going to reach your purpose without preparation. And so we've taken this scripture in Isaiah 54 and 2, and he says, Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords. Today we're working on the final statement strengthen your stakes. Strengthen your stakes. Every time our church has gone from one level to the next, season of growth to the next, season of glory to glory, God has had to take his people, had to take us, and put us through the expanding and the stretching stages. Always. Because God, God wants us to be able to develop and grow our capacity 
so that he can fill it. Because if we're limited in our faith, if we're limited in our understanding, then God can only do certain things amongst that. Like, like we have to be prepared for it. We have to plan for it. We have to be stretched and expanded. Every time God has taken us from one season to the next, from one level to the next, God has worked on his people and he's expanded them and he's stretched them and he's lengthening them and he is strengthening them. We have felt the pressure, we have felt the stress of it, but we don't hold back. We don't draw back. We don't throw in the towel, we don't quit. We rally, we press forward, we look for what's next, and we see that something marvelous is on its way. Enlargement, the Bible talks about enlarging your territory, enlarging and and, and growing the place of your tent, expanding where you are, and enlargement requires us to reject small-mindedness. It calls us out of our small boxes, out of our small routines, out of our small thinking, out of our limited view of God, like Caleb and Joshua who went into the land and said, we see grapes so big that it takes multiple people to carry. We see cities so large that those are going to be ours. We see milk and honey flowing. We see rivers. We see hope. We see a promise. And they go back and report, and the other ten come back, and they say, we see giants. We see chariots. We see warriors. We see death. We see loss of life. We see frustration. We see impossibilities. And guess what? The next 40 years, they wandered and they died. But those that had an apocaridokia, we see something marvelous coming, got to go in and taste of the land they saw and they believed that God was giving them. And I'm just talking to some folks today. I'm talking to our Encounter Church, our tribe this morning. It is time that we start seeing the grapes of the land. We start looking for the milk and the honey. We start seeing cities that have been torn down that we can rebuild. It's, it's moments like this. It's a season I believe God is prophetically ushering in for our church and, and this region. And God is using you and me to prepare for what he has planned for us. And as soon as we get the preparation in place, then God will allow all things to work together for the good to them that are called, those that love God and are in his purpose. We believe it can be done. Anybody believe it can be done? Anybody believe? And, and the scripture goes on in Isaiah and it talks about rebuilding the, the ruined cities and, and putting together and being, being spiritual architects for God and and oftentimes we want somebody else to do the building, but this year God has called us to build. God's called us to labor. God's called us to pick up the hammer and the chisel and, and the jackhammer at times. And God's called us to tear out old foundation and put new foundation in and, and, and rebuild and restructure and see all the things so that we can prepare for what God has planned. This is a house that we long to see the glory of God rest on. This is a tent of meeting where we can encounter the presence of God. This is a place where relationships are built and lives are changed. This is a house, this is a community, and this is a tribe where the presence and glory of God is welcomed, is sought after, is felt, and it is experienced. So strengthen your stakes. Strengthening your stakes involves character development. 
Nobody likes that. I, I don't know about you. I do not like character development because character development oftentimes reveals where I'm weakest. And my personality type vehemently <laughs> hates weakness. That's my personality. Some of you are like, I love it. Like, I just, <laughs> and me? Like, I want to show everyone else where my strength is. And so character development oftentimes reveals the weakness. And in character development, it teaches us that in our weakness, in our weakness, God is made strong. And if we're not strong on the inside, if we don't strengthen our stakes, then we're going to be moved we're going to be swayed. Our path is going to be shaky. And when trials and trouble and struggle come, we're going to fold under its pressure and buckle under its weight. So today I want to give you the confidence to strengthen your stakes. In fact, 1 Kings 18, and I, I really, I've been, I've been, this has literally been in every one of my message notes, and I'm finally just now getting to it five weeks later. So, here it is. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went out and, to get something to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Have you been there? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, and he said to his servant, go and look toward the sea. And the servant went and looked and then returned to Elijah and said, I don't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Go look. Seven times. Go and look. And finally, someone say finally. This is that apocardokia I'm trying to get through to us. Like it's, it's this continual process of go look. Do you see anything yet? And it says finally. Someone I just believe is going to get there finally today. You're going to get your finally this morning. There's going to be that moment where you're going to lift your hands and you're going to say, finally, I see it. I, I've got it. And finally, the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And, it, and, it, and it, the scripture a little irritates me because the rain was the blessing of God in famine and in drought. Elijah praying for rain and Elijah then has to yell, finally we see the cloud. Finally we see a glimmer of hope. Finally we've got something marvelous is coming like the servant. Maybe it was the faith of the servant that finally went back to Elijah. Maybe that's what, maybe that's what God was working on, some character development that what you say will happen. Maybe it's the moment where he's like, I don't see anything, I don't see anything. And Elijah's like, no, go back and look. Finally, he's like, I see, I see a, a, a puff of something about this size. And Elijah gets excited. Hurry up. We've got to go. There's a storm coming. I can already hear it, but now we get a chance to see it. I know it's not here yet, but it will come. And the rain is going to come. And he says, tell Ahab to get in his chariot and go home. Because if he doesn't, the rain will stop him. 
So what I'm telling to this church this morning, I feel so strongly from the beginning of this series, is that I hear the rain coming. I hear that the famine is going to end. I hear that there is a cloud the size of a man's hand. But I'm telling and I'm ushering in a moment today of saying, hurry, it's time to get home and prepare for all that God has. Because if you don't, the rain will actually stop you from getting where you're going. The blessing of God. I've seen, I've seen individuals in their lives, they get so far, but they're unwilling to continue the journey and the rain stops them. Have you ever been camping and it rains on you? Have you ever, ever been in a tent and it's just pouring rain? It, and, and, and you want to go out, but you can't. And, and, and sometimes it's very relaxing. Other times, if you're like me, you're tent camping, you're praying the water doesn't come in. And what I've learned is if my stakes aren't strong enough, water will come in. The wind will actually push it down. The rain will soak the floor and we're going to have an issue. So my first point is this today. You need to find the right ground for the stake. You want to strengthen this? You're going to have to find the right ground. Because if you don't find the right ground, your stake can get weak because you haven't placed it in the right soil. Have you ever put a, a tent stake in and it, you, you, you tighten the cords, you, you, you stretch the tension, and you put the stake in, and all of a sudden it just... You're like, okay. And it's not the stake's problem. It's the ground's problem. And we were so interested and hurried in our, in our, in our trying to get it done that we actually put it in ground that was not sturdy enough, deep enough, compacted enough, that when the tension of the cord was placed on it, it fell over. The entirety of the standing of this tent is based upon the tension of the cord in relation to the stake. If your stake is not in the right ground, your tent will collapse. It has the potential of blowing away. It has the potential of falling. And if we don't put our stakes in the right place, and so we have to test the soil. Is the soil too hard? I know this is North Idaho, and if you've ever tried to do any digging, there are rocks everywhere. Everywhere. And if you aren't careful, you're going to get to a hard place, a hard soil, that you can't get the stake into anyway. So you have to make sure that it's the right ground. And Jesus talks about this. He says, I want you to listen. A farmer went out to plant some seed. And as he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath. And the birds came and ate it. It was too hard. Other seed fell on shallow soil. It was too loose and underlying rock. And the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon withered under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns and grew up and choked out uh, the tender plant, so they produced no grain. Still, other seed fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, they grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. This, this portion of Scripture has haunted me this year. Because what I have seen over the last two years has actually produced a harvest and a crop in the lives of believers. 
where you get a testing of political powers, you get a testing of global pandemics, you get a testing of internal struggles, you get a testing of offenses and, and issues, and the tension on the cord begins to get tighter and tighter. And I've watched as Christian deconstructs after deconstructs after deconstructs. Maybe God isn't really for us. Maybe I don't know. And then I've watched weak Christians have, have issues in life and problems. And all of a sudden their whole tent begins to collapse. It begins to shake under the wind. It begins to tremble under the pressure. It begins to fold because there is just so much going on around them. And I want to encourage some child of God today to get your stakes strengthened in the bedrock of who Jesus Christ is. He is the chief cornerstone. He is never wavering. He is never failing. And he has never lost a battle. Your hope is not in anything else but Jesus Christ and his righteousness. We don't stand on any other rock but rock our Jesus Christ. Because I believe that God is up to something in the soil. God's up to something in the dark places. God's up to something beneath the surface. And God is at work. And Charles Spurgeon says it like this. We need to believe that Christ loves you as much in seasons of trouble as in times of happiness. In fact, it's Proverbs 12 and 3 that says, Wickedness never brings stability, but the godly have deep roots. Proverbs says you're blessed when you are planted in the house of the Lord. When you stay, when the winds come and the waves come, and you stay when there's tension on the line, you stay when there is this struggle between what is and what will be, and all I see is the cloud. I don't know, and, and someone's telling you, no, I hear rain, and someone's yelling at you, go home, or the rain's going to stop, and you're like, I don't know. Can I tell you today, if you'll trust the voices and the seers and those that can see ahead and say, this is my apricaradokia moment. I believe that something marvelous is coming. I'm going to get my stakes in deep so the rain will not stop me. I know the rain's coming and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And oftentimes we think the rain is bad. But I want to declare to you the rain is good. The rain always brings harvest. The rain always produces crops. The rain always washes away the dirt. The rain always brings hope. The rain brings life. It's, it's the rain that keeps us going. Because in drought, things stop. But when it rains, things live. They prosper and they thrive. So I'm telling you today, I hear the rain coming. Don't let the rain stop you. So you got to find the right ground. Because if the rain comes and saturates wet soil, your stake will fall over. If the rain comes and falls on hard ground, you'll puddle and you could slip and fall. But in the right soil, you can actually strengthen the stake. The second point today is this. You want to get your, your stake strengthened this morning? You're going to have to go deeper. Write that down. Go deeper. Because a stake simply on the top of the soil does nothing. But the deeper the stake is driven, the stronger and more tension can be put on the line. Because when it's the right ground, it's going to hold the stake in place. When you have the right theology, when you have the right doctrine, when you have the right philosophy of who God is, when you have the right concept of who He is, the deeper the stake is driven into it, 
the more tension can be put on the line and the firmer this stands. Weak individuals will say statements like this, I feel beaten down. I feel like life has just absolutely beat me. And what I've learned about following Jesus is that there's a lot of seasons where I feel like this. I am just under the hammer of life, under the pressure, under the weight, and everything is just coming against me. I don't feel like we can make ends meet. I feel like there's sickness. I feel like we haven't had, had the breakthroughs we want. I feel like, and we just keep going. And if we're not careful, what will happen is we Christians will say, I feel beaten down when I'm serving. I feel beaten down when I haven't seen God produce. I, I feel beaten down in my marriage. I feel beaten down uh, with, with my job. I feel beaten down. I would like to challenge that thought today and say, if you are being driven into God, into His philosophies, into His theology, you're not beaten down, you're being driven in. You're not beaten down. You're just being driven in. And I, I want to help you with that today. It's because that concept, that language has to change. Come on, somebody. When you have life and pressures and struggles, stop saying you're beaten down and start saying I'm being driven in. Because this and when life happens, when life happens, my being driven in is a perspective change. Watch this. The moment I start realizing I'm not being beaten down, but I'm being driven in, changes my perspective of who God is. Instead of saying God is unjust and God has failed and God has forgotten, now I'm saying my, my being driven in is actually firming me. It's causing me to have a better view of who God is. It's seeing His faithfulness. It's watching what He can do. Because what I've realized is that there is nothing wasted when I'm living for God. No pain, no problem, no stress, no pressure. There is nothing wasted. And maybe you're feeling the tension today, and you're feeling the stress today, and you're feeling the pool today, and God's like, I'm not beating you down. I'm driving you deeper into me, and I want you to be so firm in me that there is nothing in this world that can sway you, shake you, and pull you out of this. My perspective changes. It, it's my deeper belief in who God is. You've heard the adage, no pain, no gain. I'd like to say it this way, no pain, no progress. Nothing's wasted. This present suffering always produces future glory. I cannot change what Romans 8 says. Every thing about it. Every time I read it, it never changes. There is not another little thing that, that gets tweaked. There's not another comma or another punctuation mark. And there's nothing omitted. Every time I read Romans 8, I realize that this present suffering is nothing compared to future glory, which reminds me that every time I'm not being beat down. I'm just being driven in. That this present suffering is just an access point to being driven into future glory. Nothing's wasted. And process and pain can be the, some of the hardest things of life. But when you remember that there's purpose on the other side. When you remember there's purpose on the other side of what you're going through. You can always move forward in the direction God is leading you. Stakes give purpose to the tension. Why am I going through this? Because you're being driven in. 
Why am I dealing with this? Why am I, why am I fighting the offense? And maybe if you are constantly being offended, maybe the reason is, is that you need to be driven into Jesus who was offended on your behalf once and for all and realize that there is no offense worth carrying that takes me away from his cross. So how do we go deeper? Well, I'm glad you asked. I came prepared. Don't run. You need to go through it. Acts 7 and 29. We will be wrapping it up here shortly. But Acts 7 and 29 says, and now I want you to understand the, the context of this, is Stephen is being stoned for his belief in God. Stephen is sitting there being stoned. And this is what Stephen says. When Moses heard that, he fled the country, lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. And there his two sons were born. And 40 years later, 40 years later in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses heard it, he fled. And so I just, I just have a, a, a probing question today. Let the Holy Spirit speak through it. My question is this, what are you running from? Why do you keep pulling up your stakes and fleeing the scene? I know, I know you've come from all kinds of places. But don't let where you have come from be because you are running. Because if you are running, then you're never going to find the roots You're never going to be driven in until you make up your mind that this is where I'm staying. If you're constantly on the run, then these stakes get weakened over time. They get weakened over time. And I want to encourage someone today that you feel like running today. You feel like running because you heard some bad news. You got some bad diagnosis. You, 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 you're dealing with some tension today and you feel like running. You feel like running from your marriage. You feel like running from your job. You feel like running from the serve team you're on. You feel like running from the situation. I want to encourage you today. The faith of Stephen needs to get back in the church today. That even though it may go through persecution and it may go through rocks being thrown and it may go through suffering and it may go through problems and you as a child of God may endure some rough things. If you'll get the faith like Stephen who will sit there and say, I know Moses ran when he heard bad news, but I'm going to stay here and allow God to vindicate me. I'm going to allow God to do his work. I'm going to allow God because that's what happens is people will run hoping the new area, the new thing, the new spouse, the new job, the new church, the new career will change really what's happening on the inside of them. And running to somewhere new, going to somewhere else is never going to change the turmoil that you're going, that's going on inside of you. And your stakes being strengthened is always with character development. And if you want your stakes to be strengthened, you stay planted in the house of God and you watch God bless it. You got watch God work. All right. And finally, 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 you got to keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hebrews 12 says it like this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Oh, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, 
He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And Pastor Jesse, I never, I've read this a hundred times or more. I've preached this, and we've stopped, and I have forgotten to read. Can we pull it up on the screen? I'd never read or at least internalized verse 3. We love verse 2. Think of Jesus. Look at Jesus, the champion and initiator of our faith and all of that. But verse 3 is the power. It's the stake of this. He says, think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Oh, we love to talk about how Jesus endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. But then we've got to put some stake into it and realize that I may still get a little flustered and frustrated and have pressure. And I've got to get my roots in. And he says, when you're enduring this, think about all he endured for you. And then you won't give up. And you won't get weary. And you'll stay strong even in the midst of it all. What I've realized is that rest is holy. Quitting is not. Giving up is not. Throwing in the towel is not. Rest is holy. Quitting is not. Because these present struggles should always produce a deeper belief in God. So just a note to those that want to stay. Those that want to get put in. Those that want to go deeper. Those that want to fight for what they believe in. Just a note for you that your prize is not more material possessions. Your prize is not greater accolades. Your prize is not a degree on the wall. Your prize is not someone blasting you and, and tweeting about you on Facebook. Your prize is Jesus. And it's always Jesus. And with Jesus comes glory and presence. Because God sees your struggle as a stage to always reveal His glory. Your struggle is God's stage to reveal His glory to the world. Oh, we get so internal, don't we? I'm dealing with this. I'm struggling with this. I'm going through this. The tension is too great. Get your roots so deep in Christ that you understand that this present struggle is simply to reveal future glory. I'm believing for testimonies to arise from the places of your struggles. Scott and Jackie, I am believing there is going to be stories of the provision and the supernatural hand of God through your lives. I'm believing that future glory is going to be produced through your story. Suzanne, I believe there's going to be future glory that's produced through your stories. Andre, I believe it. Debbie, Casey, we've seen it. Jesse, Janelle, I believe it. This present struggle is nothing compared to future glory because your struggle is just God's stage for His glory to be revealed and produced in your life and God sees it as his stage your job is to just go as deep into his presence as possible God let it drive me I'm not beaten down I'm driven in
you stand all over this room today. Paul says it like this. We're pressed on every side by troubles. You know this story. I'm going to reveal something to you here in just a minute. But we're not crushed. You see his language today? This is the language that the church needs. I know we're struggling. But we're not crushed. We are perplexed. But not driven to despair. We're, we are hunted down but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed, and through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we, are, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last forever. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can now see. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that we cannot see. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And I just want to declare over your life today, you haven't seen God's best yet. seen God's best yet. Come on church, you haven't seen God's best yet. You haven't seen it because if you've seen it it's going to pass. But the things you cannot see will last forever and God is saying there's a vast glory that every time you're being driven in there's a vast glory that vastly outweighs the pressure of today. You haven't seen God's best yet. bows, eyes closed, hands extended in prayer today. I want to pray this that Paul prayed over, his, over the church I want to pray it over us today. I pray from his glorious unlimited resource he will empower you with the inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep in God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep His love is. May you encounter, experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to fully understand, then you will be made complete. And with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God, now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow Jesus to transform your soul. We pray that you have an amazing week. 
Thanks again for being a part of the Encounter Church family. God bless you.